0: hi this is tony silva and charles Wiz. and this is episode 108 two teachers talking and this is where charles and i talk about teaching english in japan and all the fun it is and all the hell that it is and how we can make that better for ourselves and for for everybody out there um today we're Going to be talking about study abroad. uh, Actually, a first part of a two-part session, and uh, I can't believe we haven't done this before. I somehow feel like we have. Well, I did a I did a session with students. That's right, and um, I had them talk about their experience overseas, and that was um, episode fifty-four. I'm sorry, forty-four. And then five students talking. That's a long time event, so. ago, isn't it? It's a long time ago. <laughs> I thought it was our second year, maybe. So this is 108, this is 44, so yeah, this is uh, a couple of years in. We're a couple of years in on this show, I
1: think. Mm-hmm. Mm. So it's interesting that we haven't covered it. Yeah, I thought so, too. It's kind of weird. Okay, well, where do we start? Mm. Send okay. them over. Put them on an airplane. Right. Push them over,
0: and let them just deal with it. Yeah, just just put them on the plane. Um, <laughs> so this first part, we'll talk about uh, studying abroad preparation, um, and also the the, the benefits, and probably in the reverse order, talk about why to do this, right? And then um, how to, how to do it. Um, and then next week, we'll talk about uh, some of the problems that uh, people might encounter, and. Um, uh the i think one of the big big things is uh return uh to the home country and ending with reverse culture shock and all right and we're talking about extended stays what would you say a minimum of uh 6 months at, at, well at least at least 3 months but yeah you like in that area okay so we're not talking three, about months. the
1: summer one month Not over not to a, not a, a 6 country. week intensive right. no. it's not an intensive visit it's part of being in, in an exchange it's actually, program actually
0: living there right Okay. Actually, living—they're giving it enough time for the full effect to kick in.
1: <laughs> and I, I don't think we have to really discuss too much about the rationale and reasons for why people would do this. I think that's pretty self-evident, don't you think?
0: Um, to you and me, I think um, it's interesting. Uh, what I hear students talking about more and more um, is that with the benefits of online study, and YouTube, and Skype, and, and, and. Um, I'm hearing a lot of students saying that um, it's not necessary to leave Japan to uh, learn a foreign language anymore. And I would I don't always jump in, and in fact, most of the time I don't jump in because I'm just am just too busy. But um, do, do you, you, what would you say? What your argument to that? When you have you heard a student say said to you? It's like, well, yeah, yeah, it's, but you know, it's so expensive, and I don't really need to leave Japan to to, to the
1: the immediate response is is that what's well, the difference between going to a restaurant and watching a food show? That's what I think. and
0: you I like the, the you, analogy.
1: You know how I feel about technology and that there's a lot of things technology can do that the digital world can actually accomplish, digital tools. But for me, when I... I haven't really heard that from my students. The students I know really want to go overseas, and the university has a pretty good overseas exchange program, that there's just no way to substitute for you yourself being in another environment and the stark contrast of actually seeing who you are and what you are because the background is so different that that just, you can't do that with YouTube. You can't do that with Skype. You can't do that with any online tools. So it's, again, one of those areas where... It's not just the learning the language that's being actually keyed up. You're really looking at an act the being in the culture and developing certain awarenesses, certain understandings of the culture, of the language, how to use it, how to function uh, that you can't do. And there's a real difference between being somewhere for 24 hours a day for six months, eight months, or a year. So that's, that's my immediate response. But that's, I think, a yeah. pretty standard response. But the yeah. most valuable thing for me, being an expat, and it was very clearly noticeable the first few years in Japan, is I was able to see myself and to see how much, for lack of any better way of saying it, how cult, the cultural constructions of who I am or who I was and that it became clear that oh, I am very much determined or it's built into me to be an American and to see that americanism that americanist thinking ideas and ways of perceiving the world and going about doing things that was incredibly valuable how about you tony what do you think
0: well for me the first thing that that I would I would I would jump on to when if I overheard that I would say, well, you know, there's a difference between what you you what you just said is to learn the language, and in a certain sense, you're right. It's much easier to learn a language without leaving your home country, but the language is a small part of the the advantages, Um, and also you might be um, underestimating the value of what you just started talking about, the the, the cultural fluency, right? Because there's linguistic fluency, um, which you can study for to a certain extent. But um, mastering any foreign language also, that implies, requires uh, a certain amount of cultural fluency, which is much harder to get without being in the country itself. Um, You know, studying French, however you study French in in Japan, is going to be very different than living a year in Paris. And uh, just just to determine the linguistic aspect, because you're listening to how people really speak, how people really use the language, and all the small nuances and the interesting ways of thinking that affect the way people speak and so forth um but no you are um absolutely right now and, and i'll pick and repeat a lot of what you said um again for me and and i may be projecting but i don't think so um the uh the experience i, I, I haven't studied abroad i just lived abroad right just, it was a little bit a little bit different from what we're talking about with our students but not that much because the living the living part is, is the big part. I think you and I probably agree on that. Um, but um, moving to Japan, living in Japan, and especially as we talked about those first few years, um, what a magical transformation and period of growth and discovery. Um, and yeah, of course, you are suddenly dumped in this foreign environment, and you're Forced to live in this different culture with different rules and using another language, you're ready for that. You expect that. That's that's what, you know that's the thing. But as you as you pointed out, um, what you don't expect is everything that you learn about yourself. Um, how uh, You face challenges. How you adapt. Um, see yourself and your own culture and your own country, in a way that you'd never be able to see, uh, from the perspective of living in your own culture. Um, it, it's impossible. And the the analogy I, I often use in class is like you, um, trying to tell a fish that it's wet. It's like, hey, fish, what does it feel like being wet all the That's time? That's the David Foster Wallace thing, isn't it? Question, yeah. The question doesn't make sense. What do you mean? Hey, how's the it's water? Just right. Normal. Yeah what water yeah (laughs) (laughs) it's david foster wallace i think so yeah and it's uh it's such an incredible experience and for me like the uh go back to my my um famous like john uh, cardinal john henry newman idea of liberal education and it's got nothing to do with liberal or conservatives but it's a whole different idea about what education is and uh, I I think of like studying abroad, staying in a foreign environment. That is like, you we know, to use the coin, you know, the um, phrases of the day: um, liberal education on steroids, a turbocharged <laughs> liberal education, uh, Uber education. Um, it takes everything that's implied in the phrase liberal education and immerses the student in this. Uh, you talked about cooking, right? This designer, artisanal, gourmet petri dish of learning and growth. Um excuse me did gold, you just say the artisanal petri dish uh, uh designer artisanal <laughs> gourmet petri dish okay was, <laughs> and growth <laughs> i had this image of <laughs> <laughs> yum yum auger <laughs> auger well, okay if you're a, if you're a bacteria it's delicious stuff oh my word but uh yeah but, but it's beyond language right language is certainly a big component of it but the the language and the thought and All that together is just magical.
1: That's a good word. That's a really good way. It is, I think, that, but one has to look at that there is a certain predisposition to the kind of student who will go overseas or who Uh, agreed to do an overseas program. But the other analogy I was thinking of, Tony, while you were talking, that came to mind is the difference between, you know, Going overseas versus just learning the language while you're in your own country is the difference between, okay, you know how to read a map, right? You know how to use a map, okay. And being in the middle of a European city where you don't have the language very well, know the language very well, you've got an old style paper map in front of you and you need to get to the train station so you can you know get onto the, the next leg of your trip. And there's nobody to turn to that is watching over you there's no teacher there's no advocate for you at this point and that alone again having no one around necessarily who's going to support you is an incredibly beneficial experience and i am i think arguing that the major benefit of the study abroad program is not just the linguistic aspect of learning the language, but living in a different culture so that you as an individual are growing in terms of your independence, your responsibility, your confidence, your ability to navigate new situations, and most importantly, your ability to navigate situations that are new and that you don't understand. That I think is a real big part of sending students over for the study abroad program. And the language part is a totally separate aspect to it. But I know that the students, again, um, causation and correlation issues and predisposition, the students that I have who have gone overseas, and I'm looking at students who go over for nine, ten months or a year, and these are my seminar students, they're different when they come back. And they are noticeably different from the students in my seminars who have not gone overseas and we could go through all the differences but i think that there's a level of understanding and confidence and an awareness that there are things that are not learned in the classroom and cannot be learned in the classroom
0: and add maturity to your list and uh, just agree with everything that you just said. Okay, sure. and maturity, yes.
1: yeah. I was going to say that, but you interrupted me and I Sorry. didn't have a chance to say that. <laughs> so I think we're both in agreement that, there's, that we're looking more also at the psychosocial or the social-psychological aspect of that. The real personality development, maturity, confidence, the way that somebody's able to carry themselves and understand things
0: right how to how to live right yeah um how to open doors a uh, different perspective on life um how to learn itself how to ad- how to adapt to a new environment how do you adapt right how do you as an individual um uh adapt to a new environment how do you meet new challenges what what did you think that you would never be able to do and you just find yourself oh yeah, wow i can do this mm, good point um, all the, all those experiences that come together and as you said, make all these changes in the person; they come back. They're, they're they're different people.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure whether this is an example of my own silliness and stupidity and foolishness, or the time given that we're both kind of middle. We're not middle aged anymore, are we? Um, I I'd like to think so. I would like to think so. so. Let's just assume we're middle aged guys, okay? I remember my first trip to overseas so this is about 1980 not my first trip overseas but my first this is my first big trip to europe 1982 or so and i remember that i was in germany somewhere and someone was giving their dog some commands like sit and come here they were training the dog and i thought to myself wow these dogs are really smart. <laughs> wow, they can understand German. God, my dog can't do that. And, you know, that's, I know it's a really silly thing, but the idea that people speak to their dogs in other languages.
0: I, I remember seeing that the first time and having a, an odd reaction, too. I was just like, hmm.
1: <laughs> Right, but it's, the reason I mention it is that you would not think of it It would not come to mind at all. And when you do experience it, it's so foundational. And Mm -hmm. of, of, why why did I never think of that? Why did I? Yeah, it shifts your whole view of the universe. Look at the assumption I've always made. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. that kind of understanding will have a dramatic effect on how one approaches a language. You've really very much shifted the language from being a, external outside thing to, wait a second, this is deep. This goes very much against what I, how I view the world with a worldview that I didn't even know I had. Right. So uh, I think there's no question that the study abroad overseas program, I mean, I'm thinking now that actually what might be an interesting debate would be. Overseas exchange versus, you know, seven-month, eight-month exchange program versus seven, eight months of a student just traveling. Hmm. Might be an interesting other podcast to talk about or to do. I can see advantages and disadvantages in both. But I think most of our listeners are educators or language teachers, so they're going to be really interested in how the study abroad program is going to impact their students how it's going to help do you think there's any other specific things we need to mention to make sure that everyone's on board with our thinking
0: and where you and i are going with this probably not i, I mean, maybe throw out employability uh, i think in in japan there was a time i know there was a time uh long time ago 25 years ago that um in some cases where, of course, we would think about, you know, again, the, all the benefits of someone having lived abroad, of maturity and um, ability to deal with challenges, different perspectives, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, that there were, there were companies, however, that saw that as kind of a negative. I and uh, I want to, uh, to throw out emphatically, uh, because there might be some vestiges of, of this thinking, that um, living in another country – understanding another culture, speaking another language, in no way makes you less Japanese. Um, you and I have been here for over 30 years. And I am no
1: less American than when I came over.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and I always tell it to my students. I say, look at me. <laughs> I've been here for 30 years. <laughs> Do I look Japanese to you? Do I sound Japanese? Do
1: I act Japanese? Do I appear to... <laughs>
0: Do I not? Am I not an American? <laughs> that's a great point. You that's cut me. Do I point. not bleed red blood? But yeah. Um, or maybe that's that a comment about there. our but inflexibility. I, I think overall and that's changed. Adapt. Yeah, I think that's changed, though. I, th- I think most companies now acknowledge that if it's not necessarily a, a priority, it's not a liability if, if the student has spent time overseas.
1: You know, I'm wondering whether or not the reason it's no longer a liability is that realization that people will not become changed and transformed into Americans if they go to America. I think that may have been one of the motivating fears that people had. Ah, this person has been overseas for two years. They're no longer Japanese. They're going to be bringing back a different way of thinking and acting and interacting with people. And I think companies and organizations have seen that there are some differences, but they're not overwhelmingly negative and that are going to impact other ways of uh, doing things. But, you know, I before we go on, I think I was talking about the dog thing. Mm-hmm. The student correlate of that was, maybe we've talked about this before, but... One time I had a student who did an overseas an exchange program and they came back and I said, how was it? Or, no, no, they went traveling. They did not do the exchange program. Sorry, my apologies there. They took a trip, I think to Australia or something, and they came back. I said, so how was your trip? And they said, wow, there were a lot of gaiji in there. <laughs> I know, yeah, yeah. And I turned yeah. to the student and I said, you realize that when you were there, you were the guy, Gene, right? And total look of shock. <laughs> they were aghast. They were total, they had never considered that. And the idea. So the experience didn't take with him. Huh? <laughs> well, I'm thinking too of the old uh, image, stereotype of the American abroad. Uh huh. Right? The speak English to me. Why don't you speak English? Or I think that that is the difference between as i would explain to students it's the difference between being a tourist and a traveler if you go somewhere for a week or two weeks you're a tourist if you're on if you're traveling for 6 months 6 weeks or longer 2 months 6 months a year you're a traveler a traveler is someone who is immersed in the culture or is actually being in a culture whereas a tourist is somebody who's just visiting And the idea that an exchange program is an opportunity for a student to be, I think, lack, again, for a better word, an academic traveler. And to actually be immersed in that academic world, not just the culture, but the different ways that academia can actually exist and be carried out and conducted. I think your students come back, that's a pretty common refrain, isn't it? How different the experience is, not just the living on a daily basis, but the actual school experience as well
0: oh yeah all 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 the way around
1: mm. yeah I mean there's almost no downside, is there? um we'll get to that next week, I mean next month, right, okay, <laughs> all right, but in terms of the rationale for why somebody would go
0: um just expense. <laughs> Okay, it's expensive. All right, but we're it's expensive.
1: But we're in agreement that you and I would definitely see it as if when a student comes to you and says, "Excuse me, uh, Silva Sensei, Tony." How do you go? By the way, you have your students call you Tony, don't you? I try and get them again to call me Tony. Yeah, do they? How well do they do? We on disagree that? on that. Yes, we've disagreed, and I disagree with mm. many people, because otherwise that's when I turn into Mister Charles. <laughs> Because they can't tell first name, (laughs) last name. But the other teacher says we can call him Tony. Yeah, but that's because Tony says you can call him Tony. And I'm saying call me Mm. Mr. Whiz. (laughs) But we agree on the reasons that it's a beneficial idea and that any student who comes to you and says, excuse me, Tony Sensei, but I'm going to do um, a year abroad or I'm thinking about doing an exchange program. What do you think? You're always
0: going to be supportive of that idea i think correct i i will I, i'll ask some more questions about why they want to do it i'll ask them about their parents and everything else but yes i will i will encourage unless there's in some kind of flag that says this might not be i also depends on the student too yeah i think you have to take into
1: account certain personality aspects absolutely right there but I remember a long time ago, I was working at a school where there was an exchange program and there was a student and the student really wanted to go overseas and they didn't tell their parents because their parents were against it and this student actually got a complete scholarship that paid for a year abroad. Hmm. And this person, this young woman was kind of meek and everybody thought very fragile and mm-hmm. people were really very scared about what would happen, and this this student I think serves as like you know the 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 poster child of why exchange programs are great nice. when this 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 student came back, they had transformed from a <laughs> fragile person who you had to be very sensitive with to someone with confidence and bearing and a you know a, they came back charismatic. It was amazing. It really benefited that person quite well. And everybody looked and said, well, I guess we gauged that one incorrectly. <laughs> so cool. there are a lot of different things. But let's move on from yeah. the reasons yeah. why, what's, which are benefits to. I guess what you would like to talk about are preparation.
0: Yeah, I guess so, yeah. Well, yeah. What to think about, what to do before you go. For the student, not for how the teacher should prepare the student. But no, for the student. I mean, how the, how the student gets it, mm, uh, you know, a good teacher can help them out, but um, it's a student that's going to get on the plane, it's going to be the student's responsibility. And <laughs> usually it's also, oh, I'm it. sorry, my apologies.
1: Mm. It's also the school runs the exchange program, and we as teachers are kind of separated from that. And uh, well,
0: Sometimes. Sometimes the students do it independently. Yeah.
1: But, okay. So, let's run it from what you just talked about. The student's the one who's going to get on that airplane and do everything. What do you think the, the student needs to do to get ready?
0: Well, I think the very first, right, it's like a lot of the students, too, I am hearing talking, it's like, well, I don't have a... I don't have a big purpose, I don't have a dream, I don't have a reason. Um, And in that case, it's like, well, that's maybe the best reason to do it. Shake things up. Um, Do it for the sake of doing it. Discovery. Uh, Learn something. Um, What you think you might not know, what you think you know now, You might find out that you're wrong. This is a good chance. If you really don't know what you want to do, this is maybe one way that you can discover what you want to do. So, um, having some specific goal is not necessarily a requirement um, at the very beginning.
1: Mm. I think think that's
0: fair enough. Mm. There doesn't have to be a specific goal. You don't. Yeah, right. Exactly. Wanting it, 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 to go is enough. To, right. I mean, if you got one, that's great. But I don't think that's a prerequisite. I think that maybe is like again a really great reason to do it because you don't have anything else planned. Why not? <laughs> Why not? Why not do, do it overseas? This? Yeah, exactly. And and uh, and pick up all this other stuff that we that we just discussed. I think one of the other things that. When when students start thinking about studying abroad, they uh, they think, "Well, which country am I going to?" And I would say, "It's like, well, whoa, 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 whoa! F- forget about countries for a second. Um, think about think about it backwards. Think about more about yourself: what you like, what you don't like, what you enjoy. Uh, living environment, um, climate. Do you like warm places? Do you like summer? or Do you like winter?" you're a ski buff, you're a beach person. Um, do you want an urban environment, do you want a rural environment? Uh, are you are you going to school? What's your lifestyle? Do you you want a rigorous academic environment, you just kind of want to like float through some English classes and and have a good time? Um, are you doing this with a school exchange program? Are you doing it independently? Are you doing it through like a third party? Um, You know how risk averse are you? How much security do you need? How much chance are you are you comfortable with? Are you more? Would you be more comfortable like in a small town with a small university, or do you want to like jump into New York? Uh, Students are really different. Um, Think about support networks. Um, Do you have family? Uh, do you have friends that are in a specific area? It can be really, really important. Um, even if it's just one person, right? It'll teach you how to use the train. Teach you how to use the bus. Don't go to this neighborhood. Um, that, that kind of help can be real important. And then maybe think about which country you want to go to, as well as um, uh, what kind of English. Um, I'm going to... Throw a link into the into the, the show notes and things about uh, uh, English itself as as a language and also different uh, kinds of English and numbers of native speakers and things. Um, you might have a specific reason for wanting to uh, learn Queen's English, you know, English, British English. Uh, other people might have a specific need for a different kind of english or maybe something other specific right I mean, maybe something in in the biosciences and they're interested in preserving the the great the, the coral reef the great reef and coral reef in, in australia well that that's going to that's going to influence your decision but i think again i think country maybe is not the first thing to consider don't know
1: i think those are some good criteria i think i would start with risk tolerance with the yeah. student, I'd say. how Or how much ambiguity can you live with at a given time? And that's what we're really talking about with risk, I think. Not how dangerous mm-hmm. an environment are you willing to live in, but to what degree are you willing to be challenged and be in situations where you don't know or don't understand what's the proper way to react and act and behave and how to make those decisions? Because certain programs will be structured differently and will provide different levels of support. And as you pointed out, Tony, that you are you doing this by yourself? Is this arranged through the school? Is it a, an exchange program? Those are all important questions. And I think the other question is also, which is what I always do the same thing with my students, which is when they say, where should I go for an exchange program? Where should I go for my one, one year overseas Learning And I say, well, start with what do you want? Do you like big cities or small cities? Are you an indoor person or an outdoor person? Do you want to be able to go swimming and hiking and bicycling? Or are you someone who wants to be around a lot of galleries and museums? Or Are you a foodie? These um, are the starting points. So, I completely concur with you on that. Mm. I think that's a- making sure that the location you're going to fits who you are and provides you with the environment you want to be in. And it's really good, right? You know, I'm not going to go to South Florida. I do not want to be in a humid (laughs) environment. (laughs) I want to be somewhere pleasant and dry, like San Diego. Or, no, I like... A a nice blue state. Yeah. Or, you know, I would like to be near the ocean. I like mountains. Um, I'm a mountain biker. Or I play music. And that's going okay. to be, a, you know, a different place as well. And what are your academic goals? As you pointed out, I think those are real good. You know, are you going there specifically to learn about a topic? Is there a specific subject or
0: you're focusing on? All the things you said, I completely agree with. And for especially, and also for a lot of my students, also uh, consider a lot of them thinking about graduate school. And um, what's going to best, you know, you've got, if you've got something specific that you want to study, choosing university that is strong in your particular area. um, What I always advise them to do is like do a little bit of research, find out. So for example, if you're, is there in some kind of certain branch of linguistics? Is there a prominent linguistics professor at, uh, teaching at a specific university? It's like, well, you, you know, you want to be there and you want to get into his class. and You want to make sure that he knows who you are. Cause that's going to make a really big difference in five, ten years from now.
1: Okay. So that would be for the decision-making or the initial prep mm. decision-making. Mm-hmm. What mm-hmm. about... What should the student do to get ready? Or what are they, re- okay. they going to really need to be able to do? I have some pretty strong opinions on this, but I'd like to know what you
0: think. Hmm. Well, it's, it's kind of like a, a, a shotgun um, answer that I'm going to give you. But um, specifically in terms of language, uh, requires a, a good bit of thinking and planning, uh, pre-think. Everything and anything that could go wrong, and make preparation for that. You know, so what kind of language you need for X, Y, and Z? Um, I teach. I teach this class. I teach a survival skills class, uh, and we go from topic to topic. And this is basically their weekly assignment. You know, what, what are the possible situations, and what language you need to get yourself out of that situations, and learn that uh, language. Uh, emergency numbers. Uh, of course, we know about the, okay, you're going to, to a, a particular area in a country, in a city, whatever, let's say Los Angeles. Okay. In LA, and not Urosu, we we'll go out to LA. <laughs> in LA, um, what's, what, what number do you call for the police? What time, What number do you call for the fire department? What number do you call for an ambulance? Um, the phone number of the Japanese consulate in LA, um, of course, you're, wh- wherever you're staying, somebody else in Los Angeles that you can call for help or instructions. Like, I got lost. I know where I'm at. I'm on the corner of 4th and Maple. Uh, how do I get home? Most people don't think ahead to also have um set of emergency numbers back home. Uh, not only your parents' number, but also a neighbor's number. Uh, maybe another relative's number, and of course, one of your friends, which they'll probably have on their phone and things. But to have access to, and again, whatever kind of emergency you can think of, uh, even your doctor's phone number, if you, especially if you got some allergies or medical conditions, et etc., et cetera, et cetera. Uh, photocopies of documents kept in different places, you know, passport of course, visa of course. Um, also credit cards uh, the the little phone numbers on the back that you call if your credit card's lost but of course if your credit card's lost you don't have the card anymore (laughs) (laughs) okay I gotta call the credit card company I just lost my credit card Uh, (laughs) whoops
1: (laughs) I can't believe that that hasn't
0: been made into some kind of
1: comedy routine
0: (laughs) Yeah, okay. I mean, and, and wherever you're going, you know, you a know, basic understanding of the, a basic, because you don't know until you get there and screw it up a couple of times. The basic transportation system, what's available, what's not, you know, where the trains go, where they don't go, where the people use buses, people use trains, um, all, all of that. Um, ge- national, local, uh, regional, local uh, taboos, um safety other you know you can only do so much of this in preparation but um you know do the homework and do the research um also if you again if you've got specific personal needs whether it's you know cosmetics or comfort type things or or medical necessities all right how are you gonna are you gonna get that stuff where you're going. Is it readily available? Do you need a prescription? Uh, Is it available at a drugstore? Do they have it at all? Um, You will remember once upon a time that um, antiperspirant in Japan was not that common. I'm sorry, say again? Antiperspirants in Japan Uh, were not that common. You remember that when you first came here. It's a long time ago. It's a long time ago, but it was very, very real. (laughs) Uh, and the trains weren't air-conditioned either. So, uh, again, the the world has gotten smaller in, in those 30 years, but um, you can still sometimes come hard up against some things that you had just assumed were going to be there and are not. Yeah, and a good example, I don't know if it actually is, if it's a
1: good example, but one thing I try to explain to students when they're going overseas is that there are certain there's certain prep you have to do. You have to learn that there are certain things you can and cannot do. And by the way, you cannot go through a train bumping into people.
0: <laughs> uh, personal space is a huge yeah, uh,
1: This huge This idea that you, people can bump up against each other and not say excuse me and sorry is going to cause you an incredible amount of pain. <laughs> and it's... Uh, those kinds of things I think are important for the prep. How is it in Europe? And I, th- I liked what you said about national versus regional and local taboos, that sure. there are right, different communities, for example, in the United States that have very different values and ways of being there. It's important for you to be able as a traveler, as a guest to respect those.
0: Yeah, it's, I'm lucky that my, I have big classes, and in a lot of these classes, the, the students come from different regions in Japan, so I can always count on somebody coming from a rural area in Japan and says, like, well, hey, what do you think about Osaka? Like, you go like, you go to Tokyo, everyone... Um, stands on the left and walks up on the right on the escalators here it's the opposite in japan and once you get off the escalator some places has some places it's very orderly in kyoto and and tokyo and other but you come to osaka and it's chaos people are crazy um just silly things like pace of walking right osaka tokyo very 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 fast these people from the rural areas it's like yeah it's it's a whole set of culture shock that they're dealing with coming to the big city
1: hey do you know why people stand on the right I've heard a theory can can you tell me that because uh I've heard a theory too Uh, but no one's ever been able to confirm it for me but before we go on for those people who are outside of Japan (laughs) there you go it's really this is one of those really strange things but in the western side of Japan on an escalator you stand on the right and walk up or down on the left side But in eastern Japan, like in Tokyo, you stand on the left, and if you want to walk up or down, you use the right side of the escalator. Right? Okay, so now, what's this theory?
0: I have heard that in preparation for the 1970 World Expo in Osaka, the local government said, hey, we're getting a lot of foreigners that are going to be here never mind that a lot of like foreign countries people do the same things they do in Japan and drive on the on the left. Um and they're used to basically the US um standing on the right, walking on the left. Slow lane is the right, passing lane is the left. So, we want everybody to <laughs> switch. And now everybody stands on the right. Of course, the result was that half the people did it half the people didn't do it and it's just chaos and that kind of washed into they pretty much got the escalators that's kind of the pattern but when you get off the escalator and like walking we're generally in a, in a, an american city people would generally you know keep to the right when they walk it's like uh it's a it's a billiard table in in osaka you're just it's just chaos my daughter
1: once talked about a tv show she was watching and they were interviewing people about what they thought about japan and they interviewed this german couple and my daughter said that one of the people said ah japanese people are geniuses at not bumping into each other i thought that's a <laughs> 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 when you start thinking about it it's actually true <laughs> that
0: even when they're even when they're re- looking at their phones
1: yeah well, somebody once told me that when, if you ever want to navigate through an incredibly crowded area like Shinjuku Station and it's really hard to go straight, as they said, just look down and look down at your feet and start walking and that everybody will get out of your way. It's kind of true. I've done that and it actually works.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But otherwise, it's it's pretty hard so now i have a tendency just to constantly look down and walk through crowded areas
0: and it i've not really bumped into anybody it's very interesting okay yeah i well, I, I have another strategy for for survival here it goes back to the um 1985 bears super bowl champions um <laughs> there's a cultural reference
1: there you go that's right uh, that's uh but it's, that's
0: the one it's a refrigerator in peyton yeah so the fridge was the was the, the the big 300 pound kid and peyton was lightning just like so i just find somebody who's walking kind of at my pace and i just tuck in right behind them and i don't have to think about anything i just ride there in the draft to use another racing i'll just draft them draft somebody in front let of let the
1: run interference for you
0: yep i've you done
1: go. that too Right.
0: Okay. So, <laughs> so for those of you coming to Japan, and you need to learn how to survive walking through. Yeah, the speaking traffic, about survival, those are our skills. tips. Right, but also that- But that's what it comes down to, right? Heart- I mean, th- those kinds of things, they make they make a difference. Yeah, because it adds to those those little stressors that you pies are piling enough of them up, and and then you end up, like in a severe case, a culture shock. Right. So it's like, okay, you're bumping into people. On the street, people are pressing themselves up against you on the train. People are always staring at you. You walk into a restaurant, not only is it the custom here to welcome, but every else in the restaurant looks up and say, Oh my God, there's a foreigner here. Not as bad as it used to be. Not as bad as it used to be, but you've, you and I have both experiences. And these things by themselves, it's like, eh, small stuff, right? But you add all that up and the the stress of having to communicate in a foreign language plus plus this general overall space you go back home to a tiny tiny living space and if you're from a small town and you're in a city like osaka that's a whole nother setting because i've had friends who had to deal with that i mean i'm from chicago so um, you can deal with anything big city it's a it, it, piece of cake well, it's a big city. I don't know anything. You put me on the you know, in a in a little town somewhere. I I might be climbing the walls, um, but all those little stressors that makes a difference. And in your preparation, the more that and it's it's hard to do, but the more that you can get an inkling of, or to know that you have to be ready for it, it'll make the actual reality a little bit easier. That's
1: a good point. I think that to be aware that you're under quite a high level of stress, but you're not noticing it because it's lots Mm -hmm. of little things adding up. I think that's a very, very good point. Big, big, big. I don't don't realize that until I go back to the States, go back home, and suddenly everything is easy. (laughs) Everything is easy, right? But there is the opposite side effect. That is, when I do go back home, I have to remember that everybody can – understand the conversation i'm having (laughs) here i have an incredible amount of privacy i feel like i could pretty much talk with some anybody in english and have a really reasonably high level of security uh, and confidence that nobody's really listening to the conversation and then you go back and
0: suddenly everybody can understand everything you're
1: saying and that's another thing too that to prepare students for that i think happens is that you're going to be very frustrated in not being able to get your point across you're going to be very frustrated about not being able to get simple things done without mind being mindful and conscientious about what's going on
0: and patient
1: yes 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 because if you go to certain parts in the united states people just expect you to be an english speaker and they're not going to do that. That's an important thing to tell my students, too, is that you know, most likely you're going to be in an environment where people do not speak your language.
0: Right. And, and they also assume that you speak English. Right. And that it's going to be – Because Americans come in all colors. Right. right? Yeah. People – yeah, that's a really
1: good point is that mm-hmm. people are not going to assume that because of the way you look that you are a foreigner or a tourist.
0: Yeah, it's the exact opposite It's the exact
1: opposite of chant. The immediate assumption is, you're from here. hmm And you're going to have to get used to the fact that people are going to do that. One of the interesting things when I ask students, I say, when they come back from traveling, especially in America, I say, how was it? They go, Americans speak really quickly and are not clear when they speak. You're very, very clear when you speak. And I say, yes, that is true.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Instead of, yeah, that's true. That's because I'm in a classroom in Japan. It's somewhat important. Or I also People explain, understand I exp- what
1: I say. <laughs> I explain also that I'm a pretty clear speaker most of the time. Oh, you are now. Oh, I, yeah. Well, I stopped drinking, Tony. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's really helped my my speaking clearly. So, no, I think, no, but I, th- I think that our experience, my like teaching here for 30 years um inevitably changes the way that we speak we speak slow more slowly we speak more clearly um we're not conscious of it but it's it's made a change i think i speak more slowly
1: but i did a lot of public speaking when i was in high school and i think that impacted on how i talk Hmm. And huh. I was teaching from 27, so again, you're not going to get up in front of a classroom even, you know, in the United States and slurry words and not be able to talk what you're saying. But the students do come back and say, well, people speak quickly and they're not clear. So that's important is preparing with uh, you know, realistic listening samples, not mm-hmm. these things that are on the textbook.
0: Hi, George, how are you? No, that's why I always tell them, like, YouTube and podcasts. <clears throat> podcasts.
1: Podcasts. Yes, <laughs> podcasts.
0: I know a good one. I know a really,
1: really good one that I think's really good. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. I'm sorry.
0: No, no. That's, that's, uh, just Right, so... Shooting a breeze. Here. And I'm
1: going to argue that in many ways the receptive skills, listening and reading, are initially more important for them than speaking and writing. Well, I think I would agree. I think, especially if they're going into an academic situation, they're going to have to really be prepared Uh, for listening in a very, very different way, because it's just not going to be a teacher talking. For the duration of the class, but they're going to be doing a lot of group work. And that's another thing students have mentioned, is that it's really strenuous and straining for them to be members of a group because there's just so much crosstalk going on. Mm -hmm. So prepping. And the actual communication patterns are so different. And the expectation of you giving your opinion. Mm. <laughs> some of them are really funny about that i they I, they they always would ask me what do i think and i i I got so tired of having an opinion you know. <laughs> that's the opposite like I think like people in my household are really tired of me having an opinion,
0: so well, yeah, for us, it's stressful to keep our mouths shut right It's like you know, there's well it I don't know how successful some of us are. I'm not very it, successful. At that. <laughs> I don't know that there are people but who would. I I I know how to do it, but it's but it it really is hard. It, it, is, it, very it it's like, Shut up! Just shut up! Shut up! Shut up! Don't say it! Don't say it! Don't say it! Don't say it. Wait! 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 <laughs> <laughs> and wait some more. Yeah, yeah. It's what is it? Instead of
1: counting to ten, count to a hundred, and then count to a hundred <laughs> again. Makes sense. <laughs> and usually if I do that, then it's okay, I'm all right. But the there is going to be an expectation for students that you will give your opinion, that you will participate in the class. Sure. And that's also another difference you have to get ready for. It's not a language difference, but the classroom culture and the expectations of the professor and the other students as to how you participate and how you engage is very, very different. As well, but I would think listening is real important, and being able to listen to groups of people talking, not just a monologue but discussions and getting your reading fluency up is real key because you're going to be overwhelmed with the amount of reading yeah, and that's what I would focus on first, I think, if we're looking at real linguistic preparation mm. do you think there's uh other things on those? Area in those areas linguistically? I'm
0: oh reading and just listening. Um I think if you uh, the student has made his or her decision about where they're gonna go, what country, um just to focus on the English spoken there because the variation is huge, right? So not, I'm not talking about just like, you know, British English, American English, Australian English. Um within the UK, within the United States, um, there are so many different varieties of English, and the pronunciation is so different. Um, you really want to get on YouTube and listen to as much English that originates in that in that part of the country. Um, if you're going to New Orleans, then you really need to listen to some new orleans radio stations listen to some um, ted talks from people from new orleans listen to some podcasts that originate new orleans because or texas or new york or vancouver uh the it's a big big difference and if you're going to london right if you go going to northern england it's so different it's so different so that in terms of uh, pure linguistic, because like for for me, I came here. My teacher was from Tokyo, um, and most of the, the media, the movies, and that was a uh, TV shows that were available at that time thirty five years ago um, all originated in Tokyo, or you know they were class textbook tapes, and so I when I got off the plane here, I could pretty much ask for anything I needed, but. I'd be damned if I could understand any answer to a question I Is this Japan? What language are they speaking? Cuz not only was the difference between like Tokyo dialect and Osaka dialect, but just the actual real language that people use is so different from what I had been exposed to.
1: That's interesting because my basic exposure to Japanese was through samurai movies (laughs) in Kurosawa. (laughs) So I thought that everybody was... (laughs) (laughs) That's how people talked, so I had quite a twisted view. But I'm going to add, on top of the regional dialects, you need to be able to... Communicate with people who are non-native English speakers. There's going to be a lot of people who are not native English speakers, and they have depends where you go, but yes. But most universities, I think, you're going to have a reasonably diverse student population, especially on the coasts. If you go to a school like Berkeley or the University of Chicago, for example, um, not only are the students themselves going to be possibly from foreign countries, you're going to get graduate students who are teaching your sections who are Mm -hmm. also possibly Mm -hmm. going to be from the um, countries where English is not the native language, or they're going to be from countries where they have different kinds of English. Like someone from Singapore is going to be speaking a different English with a different accent than you're used to having from your classroom teacher. So I think again, Variation in listening, variety of accents, variety of native versus non-native speakers speaking English, that's also very important. Reading, on the other hand, will not be that way, and it's a little bit easier. But you're going to, the student who goes overseas is going to be loaded up pretty much with a lot more reading, I think, than they're used to in Japan. All my students come back and say they had to work a lot harder
0: yes a lot harder maybe i'll maybe i'll add that sure. let me make a note here to add that is there's um it's actually and i can't remember the name of the organization it's a japanese organization that in the last year did some last year or two did some research about the number of hours university students uh study each week and
1: uh japan was not at the top of the list for the most amount of hours
0: it was well it, w- it was it was just the u.s and japan and it was uh, inverse curves it was, it was very interesting
1: but not counterintuitive.
0: W- no <laughs> it's exactly what, it's actually more more of what you'd expect okay
1: all right so, so you're going to put that on. into the show notes right yeah, okay. I look along with the other Englishes. I'll look stuff. forward to seeing that, and I think at this point maybe it's a good stopping point since we've yeah, I think got so. another part two coming up.
0: Yeah, I got uh, one more silly, but it, it, you'll be so happy. <laughs> a little tip, little practical tip. Um, no how to explain what you want when you go to a barber or a hair salon.
1: I really don't. I don't have that problem at all, Tony. Totally.
0: <laughs> but our students do.
1: Fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. You know, that's a really good piece of advice. Be able to
0: explain or have a picture at least of the haircut you want. Yeah, that I was going to say. So like, next time you get a yeah, you get a haircut that you like, uh, take a picture, take several pictures, so you can just take it to with you when you go in and say, "This is what I want." Because uh, yeah, yeah, I it's, mean it's, that was the tr- what the was tr- <laughs> tr- like when I came. It was like, "Oh, geez, how do I? I don't have any idea how to say any of
1: these things." That's funny because I don't <laughs> know for how many years I've been cutting my own hair, and with you know my hair, it's not a big deal, but. I, I remember, I think, the first time I got a haircut in Japan. It did not turn out
0: the way I expected. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I got one haircut, and I, and I had been here for a long time already. I would already been here for um, almost 10 years. I got a haircut. It, it made me almost cry. <laughs> this is not what I asked for.
1: Or maybe it was what you asked for.
0: It's possible, but I
1: don't think Yeah, so. you never know what that person cutting your hair. Her is going to do. <laughs> That's a good point. That's a real valid point. Is be. Oh, and uh learn your. So you talk about the United right? States. Learn your sizes in. Ingl- in. Uh, sizes. Inches.
0: Right. Inch- centimeters. Inches. Sizes. Sizes. But then also the relativity. Right. Because mm. a medium in the U.S. is not a medium in Japan. You know, that's a really good... Yeah, a small... so <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I like a medium. Oh, here you are. Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> did I ever tell you the story? Yeah, this
1: well. is a, maybe a good... I may, did I ever tell you the Mosburger story when I first came to Japan? And I go to Mosburger, and Mosburger, for those of people who don't know, is a, a very good Japanese hamburger shop chain franchise. So I go in and I look and there's a menu and I don't speak any Japanese and I point and then I say, ah, and they they say fried potatoes here for French fries. And I say, okay, fried potato. And the woman says basically something like, well, what size do you want? And I think, oh, I want a small. And she Hmm. says, I'm sorry, we only have medium and large so i say okay fine i'll take a medium and then she says what about the drink and i look and they have a coffee shake And i think oh i want a coffee shake and says what size do you want and i say i want a large she says i'm sorry we only have medium and small (laughs) 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 the idea you know that excuse me but if there's two sizes it's just large and small there's
0: no medium there's no (laughs) medium
1: that was that was a good wake up that was an interesting so okay right and be used to different uh the most people know this too most students i think about the size of the servings also in the united states oh they oh yeah nuts
0: I, you got you have to mention that yeah you have to mention that right um yeah the the, the portions are huge they're they're almost inevitable by a single person yeah oh uh, they should be you you should not eat everything um and also um that uh Part of the reason for that is that, yeah, it's totally acceptable and even expected that uh, there'll be leftovers and you'll take them home. In a doggy bag. In a doggy bag. I was
1: out once with somebody, this was in Germany or something, and the person turned to the waiter and said, I'd like a doggy bag, and it's not for the dog. (laughs) <laughs> maybe they did that because I'm American, so I don't know. Uh, but okay, maybe a good point to wrap up, right?
0: I think. Okay, I think yeah. everybody knows. So, we covered up. Yeah,
1: everybody knows where to find us. Just do two yeah. teachers talking at something. Add yeah. that on, and I'm Charles Wiz. Tony Silva. And we're two teachers talking. And we've been mm-hmm. doing this for 108 episodes now. Is that right? That is correct. This is number 108. Number 108. And the next time you listen to us, it'll be 109. So, Tony. Math, is, math
0: skills are exceptional.
1: Unbelievable, aren't they? And we're on vacation right now.
0: Yeah. And yeah, we'll be
1: still on our break with the next podcast. That's right. So, you are off to the States? I am off to the States. You have a good trip? I am. Okay. And I will be here. So, you have a good stay. I will have a good stay, and you have a good trip, and we will talk soon. Be well. Alrighty. Bye.